Welcome to From the Field, episode number 17. Today, we're starting a new series on how we can approach the fall ministry season with COVID restrictions still looming. Welcome back to From the Field. Uh, my name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church. And I'm Tyler Dravitz, the executive pastor of Ridgeline Church. And the president of my XP. Well, yeah, I am. I know. But you usually say the founder of Telio, I know. a formation ministry for pastors. Yeah, I know, but I feel like Telio's not really. I said, like, your thing is a thing. Oh. My thing is an aspiration. It's like a positive affirmation. Yeah, it's like I'm trying to manifest it into existence. Someday I will not weigh 300 pounds. <laughs> like that? Yeah, you're the one that wanted to do this more conversational. Okay, so cool. This is how it's going to be. All right. So we've been talking, little did we know when we started this podcast, it was going to be constantly under the shroud of COVID. Yeah. We had like this. I remember we had a conversation where we were like, we don't want it to be all COVID. Yeah. Well, little did we know that life was going to be all COVID. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, um, we are still in COVID. Yep. Looks like we're going to be, looks like this is the future. And you know what? What I've been telling people is like, at least for me, I have decided like this, what we've got uh-huh. is what we've got at least through 2020. Yeah. For sure. Through the end, all the way. Now I got to tell you, January 1st, if it doesn't like. <laughs> if it's not magically I'm, gone. I'm probably going to be devastated. You're getting but, vaccinated at midnight. But now night. I feel like, you know what? Hey, still 2020. I'm good. Yep. So what I just heard in that is I need to prepare myself for a significant <laughs> emotional breakdown from you on January, on 1st. January 1st. Yeah, I wouldn't host a party with lots of people. Yeah, probably. Well, you're not invited. That's <laughs> yeah, that's sure. a good call. Yep. But that actually... I'd have somebody check on me, Yeah, though. definitely. Yeah. But that actually leads us into what we're going to talk about, because we're, we're getting ready to head into the fall ministry season, mm-hmm. which for most people in ministry means, like, hopefully you've had a nice summer vacation, people have kind of been in and out, school's back... Numbers are starting to stabilize. You've got some initiatives. You're launching a new Disney World is open. Disney World's open. Hey. And, uh, but now we're headed into this fall season of 2020. Yeah. And it's just continues to be weird. Like, I think one of the things that has been so disorienting about this year has been that there's not really been clear markers in time. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like there's n- there's no difference between Saturday and Thursday. Question, what is the date? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I know we're still in August. I, we are but, recording this on, I believe, the 17th. I think okay. it's the 17th. All right, so we, I somehow have misplaced the better half of August. <laughs> yeah. All right. It is August, though. So, so now we're headed into... At this fall season, and I, I think there people are all gearing up for different things. I think a lot of people don't even know what they're gearing up for. I think true, we don't exactly know. Well, what we're I mean, gearing up for in any other situation, like so, our anniversary is coming up. Yep. We'd be like, it's the launch of the fall ministry season. Yeah. Full disclosure, even as an XP, I've never quite known what that meant yeah. or why it was relevant. Yeah. But it was something that you got ready for. Yeah. And you ordered new signs for. Yeah. And. I, you know, I mean, at least of the churches I support, that's not really the conversation. And I don't think anyone knows what to launch. Yeah. So. Well, typically what happens is summer vacation, like sure. for school, is over, which yep. means most people's travel is done. People are going back to school. The summer travel's done. So people are like locked back into their rhythm. Okay. And so you start to level out when you hit end of August, beginning of September. The problem is 
a huge majority of people are not going back to school. Not right. not in the physical sense. There's, I guess we're sort of gearing up for some online school, um, but there's still all of these restrictions, state to state, even county to county, city to city, oh, yeah. on what physical gatherings are allowed, and you have all of the variance in what people actually feel about their comfort level. and go. So I just feel like nothing is normal right yeah. now as we head into this fall, when typically it's like super predictable. Totally. Here's yeah. what we're headed into. And now it's just like, I, I don't think anyone really knows what they're headed into. Sure. Or I mean, I saw a meme type thing the other day that was like, we're, you know, eight weeks from it being cold, 10 weeks yeah. away from Thanksgiving and 12 weeks away from Christmas or yeah, something. Yeah, like there being Christmas lights up. Yeah. That's mind blowing yeah. to me. And apparently it was only March just the other day from COVID being gone and you being happy again. That's right. <laughs> well, See, that feels digestible. <laughs> yep, it does. The problem is I don't know if it's real. Oh, well, let's get to that later. So so this week we started having a conversation about like there I, I think there's been this uh this focus on all of these things we can't predict, all of these things we... You all right? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm doing all right. Okay, cool. You just... We don't video this, but Tyler just had a stroke. <laughs> I just had podcast. to situate myself. Yeah, so you, got, I was you want to talk about what's going on with you? You got a little, you got a little injury. Okay. Yeah. You know, here's the deal. First of all, I just have to say that I do go to the gym. I know you do. Well, I know, but I just need to say that for people. Are you saying it for know. other people? Well, I'm saying it for the Intermountain doctor who did not believe my story. <laughs> who thought and you were thought I was trying Jones to come in and for steal drugs? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he thought. Because when he asked me, well, how how would you? So I pulled a muscle in my stomach, uh -huh. and it's on the abdominal wall. And the problem is, you use your core for everything: mm -hmm. breathing, sitting did up. Did you tell him anything. that you did whatever you did exercising? Yes, and then he I looked did. at you like you were a liar. I believe that that's the look I got. Yeah, because he was not quite my size, but uh -huh. close. And yeah. I think close enough to know, listen, friend, we don't go to the gym. <laughs> so uh, I put, but I mean, it's been like excruciating. Yeah. Like if I have to sneeze or like I sleep on my stomach. And so it's been, it's been rough, but I went to the doctor. I was afraid it was something else. He's convinced it's a pulled muscle, but he said it exactly like this. You tell me he didn't think I was jonesing for pain meds. He goes, he goes, well, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but unfortunately you're going to have to deal with this with over the counter Tylenol or something like that. Oh yeah. It's not like you'd asked for like Vicodin or anything. Like I didn't that. ask for anything. Yeah. I went to the doctor saying this is hurting help. Yeah. And uh, he was unfortunately the one to tell me. Yeah. And doesn't that feel like a little bit like he was bit, anticipating yeah. I wanted something else. And in yeah. all fairness, I wanted whatever made the pain go away and yeah. Tylenol did not help. No, but that's all I, but my favorite thing is that you've told, I've heard you tell a couple people that uh -huh. you sneezed on Saturday and it hurt so bad you almost called 911. That's true. <laughs> I mean it was it was the most excruciating pain in my stomach. I thought like my stomach was coming out or an <laughs> alien was, I didn't know what was happening. And back then I wasn't sure what it was. I I assumed it was a pulled muscle cuz yeah. of the stupid thing I did at the gym, but All right. Anyway. All right. Wow. Well, you're, you're okay. You got settled. Whew. That's good. I am you're comfortable situated. now for the rest situated, of this. Yeah. All right. Yep. You're situated. So, we we talked this week about Rather than focus on all of the things that we don't know and all of the things that we can't control, what are some things that we really think that not just us, but everyone can prioritize totally. as we head into whatever this weird, you know, fall season is. Yep. And so we're basically going to do this uh, as a series. We'll look at a different uh, priority every single week. Sure. And uh, I think we've got roughly Does five. our series have a name? Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about, we're going to call it Now What? 
Oh yeah, I like yeah, that. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like basically the idea being we've survived the last five six months. Mm-hmm. Fall is here. Now what do we do? Because I, like I think it. I mean for sure we all thought well no one thought we would be in this position when no. this all happened in March. No one thought we would be headed into the fall still trying to figure out how to navigate all of this. No. So so yeah so that's where the, the name comes. We're gonna call this now what. And so I think we've got, we'll, we'll do five, six, seven weeks, depending on how this all flushes out. But uh, we're going to talk about different priority every week. And this week, we thought we'd kick this off talking about the importance of prioritizing building a safe space for emotional health issues. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the, I think the most consistent mantra that I've been trying to verbalize and that we've been talking about with our church or anywhere we really get an opportunity to speak has just been this simple phrase, nobody's doing awesome. Yep. Um, I think the only thing that uh, poses a greater threat than COVID <laughs> right now to people's actual health is all of the emotional components that go with being shut down, being quarantined, being isolated, being disconnected from community and regular gathering with the church and yeah. all of that. And so what we've seen in our own church is just people are really, really struggling. Yeah. And um, our conviction is that having a that a safe space for people to open up about how they're really doing doesn't just happen, that it has to be built. And, um, and so we want to talk about a couple of the ways that we've gone about doing that, because um, as I've talked to other pastor friends, mm-hmm. I think the degree to which I'm aware of how people are doing in our church is much higher than what a lot of other pastors are hearing. So there's there's sure. two possibilities. One is the people in our church are just soup way more jacked up. <laughs> just a mess. Than everybody else. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that's the case. No. I think for a very specific number of reasons, yeah. we do have a very vulnerable, honest culture yeah. in our church. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how do you how some steps you can take to really create that. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Um so couple of things we're going to say. The first is, um, we have talked about this a lot, but um, especially talking to pastors, I would I would direct this most specifically at lead pastors, okay. but then at all staff members flowing down from there, that you have to go first. Yeah, so absolutely. I think that if you are, um, if you are emotionally detached or you are closed off from people in your church, in your preaching, in your mm-hmm. counseling, in your relating, then they will not open up. Sure. Or I think even more dangerously, project that you're like always awesome. okay. Yeah. 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 That's especially honestly, through this season. Totally. That's my, my big, like, you know, I, I think one thing we work really hard at is we try not to be super vocal critics of other ministry styles and sure. philosophies. Like we really do believe that it takes lots of kinds of churches to reach a lot Absolutely. of kinds of people. And but I would say one of the liabilities of like what I would call super hypey churches, mm-hmm. where it's like every week is like Hoorah! the Super Bowl, yeah. like everybody that's time to worship, everybody fire up, and it's just like a bunch of cheerleaders up front trying to get everybody hyped. Um, I think we have a lot to be excited about in Jesus. I think we have a lot to be thankful for. We have always have tremendous reason to worship, but when it's all hype all the time, I think it creates this environment where people walk in and if, if I, if I don't feel hyped on Sunday, like I feel like I'm limping spiritually or emotionally, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a subpar Christian because apparently good Christians are just hyped all the time. Yeah. And so I agree with you. I think that's a major 
liability to project onto other people. This is what maturity looks like. It looks like I'm okay yeah. all the time. Yeah. And that's not true. I am not mature then. No, definitely not. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, so I, I think let's talk about how we've sought to do that. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I, I've mentioned this. I, don't, I haven't gone into much detail, but um, I started into therapy last mm-hmm. November for the first time in my life. I've always been super pro-therapy, yeah. apparently for everyone else other okay. than myself. I think my, You've recommended it to me countless so occasions. So many times, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and, and honestly, my reluctance to it didn't really have to do with reluctance, reluctance to go to therapy has to do with one of my best friends being a therapist and, um, and then feeling like, well, I'm talking to him a lot and I always talk to you a lot and I'm not, I've not been closed off like from talking to people, but I started to notice some of these like emotional things that were bubbling to the surface beyond my control Mm. and started to notice some tendencies like, a big one was it was very difficult for me to allow the people around me, specifically my family, to feel sadness because I felt for some reason I internalized that as being my fault. Okay. So meanwhile, we like we went through a really hard ministry season and then we moved to the least churched city in America <laughs> to plant a church, which all of that stuff is super hard. But for some reason, if my wife was like having a bad day with that, I felt like this is my fault. Yeah. I'm a bad husband, which is broken. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I then had, I won't go into all the details, but I had a pretty significant emotional crying breakdown during a Lindsay Lohan movie. And that was the moment at which I realized, I think it's time for me to talk to somebody. <laughs> That's an amazing sentence. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so if I ever get the chance to meet her, I'll thank her because <laughs> she was very, very instrumental in me ending up in yeah. therapy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I started to see a therapist every single week. I still see her twice a month rather mm-hmm. than every week. Um, I've also worked with a spiritual director. But my point in all of that is to say I've been very transparent with our church about that. Sure. I um, think anyone who has paid attention to you yeah. would say, oh, yeah, my pastor's yeah. in therapy. And yeah. I'm not doing – I have not been very intended. Like, it's not been comfortable for me to talk about it by any means because sure. it demands vulnerability, which is what's very hard for me. And, um, but I've mentioned it in sermons, like from the pulpit. Um, and I talk about it in, when I do counseling with people, I'll talk about insights I've had in my own life with my therapist. I mean, like three or four people in our church go to the same therapy place. I I literally see Shanna, one of our worship leaders. I've like high fived her on the way into therapy (laughs) as she's leaving. Awesome. So great. um, We've, I think that's one way that I've tried to create this safe space for people to be open about the fact that they're hurting or struggling or broken. And I think I mentioned this this week, but I think you have a way that you do it. And we, we joke about it. If anybody that well, truthfully, even people who listen to this podcast have noticed that there's one thing that well, is unique. You don't you don't think people have noticed? I think you have to know me a little bit because okay. I've I've listened back to some of them just to wonder how uh-huh. bad it was. Yeah, I don't so, know. Maybe. So the thing is that Tyler cries a lot, a lot, a lot. And here's what I would love to know. I don't know if people yeah. will actually do this. Okay. So we're gonna like we'll post this on social okay. media. I would love to hear in the comments on my Instagram page, uh-huh. if you have noticed Tyler crying during episodes of From the Field. And you I can't like know me super well. No, no, no. Just like if you're a listener who yeah. like, you don't know, like if, do you know that Tyler has cried during most episodes <laughs> from Most the field? all of them at one point. <laughs> but in all series, like, 
So you always close our service with the announcements. Yeah. I cry during the announcements. Almost every time. Something, well, that's a little extreme. No, I think more often than not, would you During COVID, that? for sure, all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You don't talk very much without crying during COVID. <laughs> no, that's true. But I think there is something about that that conveys to people. So if my pastor is in therapy and my other pastor cries all the time, uh-huh. th- it must be okay Sure. to struggle here. Yeah, because whatever I'm dealing with isn't near what they're going through. Yeah. So yeah. So I think yeah. that's a really, really big deal. Yeah. So absolutely. I think I I think that's the the first and the most. I mean, I would argue that if people just did that, if you just opened up, not not cry during the announcements. Okay, I was gonna say. I mean, in all fairness, you got to make a choice about being vulnerable with yours. Yeah. Mine just happens. Yours just happens spontaneously. <laughs> You have no control over it. I really don't. But I think um, if all you're if you're gonna do one thing, yeah. it's that because I think that alone will be. I mean, I mean, literally after I started seeing a therapist, there was and was open about it. There was like three or four other people that I started to get asked about it constantly. Who do sure. you see? Where do you go? What would you recommend? Yep. I just think that opens the door. Yeah. Uh, on the whole thing. So that's the first thing is uh, you have to go first if you're going to create a safe space for emotional health issues. Uh, the second is um, that you have to engage people around these issues. Mm-hmm. And so why don't you talk a little bit about some of the ways that we do that, like especially with, like we've talked about prayer requests here, yeah. but that's been one of the biggest ways that we've kept a pulse on our church. Totally. So like what what's some of the engaging action that you have taken against things that you've read in the prayer request. Sure. I mean, I think just following up with people, especially in this season, um, I think uh, if it was something where I could see them like talking to them, Mm -hmm. but I think one of the things uh, just to back up a little bit, um, we work really hard to get those prayer requests. Yeah. I think that um, as you like have that spot on your card or, you know, now we're in digital world. So you have some sort of app or whatever, I think the question of do you collect prayer requests, the answer for every church, I hope, is yes. Yeah. I hope that if I... I don't think I've ever been to a church that didn't collect prayer requests. Yeah, and or they didn't have some vehicle. I think... Uh, I feel like sometimes I'm like peddling for them mm-hmm. or like begging people yeah. for them because it genuinely has been the only way we've kept up to date. Yeah. And so uh, one of the ways that we've even, even as we present it, I think, I think assuming that everyone knows what that is yeah. or how to say it. And so one of the things that we've worked really hard on is even like, I'll refer to it as give us a status update. Yeah. It's like you're, it's a more vulnerable, like honest, like, cause it just going to your pastor's like Facebook status thing that you've got going yeah. on or something. And I think that we have continued to get really honest, transparent, yeah. vulnerable. Um, this is how I'm doing. Yeah. And it's not like, and, and genuinely a prayer request prayer doesn't have to be formed a certain way, right. but a prayer request definitely doesn't. Yeah. And so I think again, just assume not assuming that everyone in your church automatically knows what that means mm-hmm. and knows how to do it. And maybe even if they do, even as you were talking, I was thinking that even if, if you have a church that's filled with people that know what a yeah, prayer request yeah. is. I think there's something about that shift in language to, hey, another way to think about this would be think of it like a status update. How yeah. are you doing? Yeah. And I think something about phrasing it that way opens people up to answer in a way that's different. Well, sure. pray for my aunt's you know, cancer and all yeah. the kinds of... And, yeah. and again, we pray for those. There's nothing wrong with those prayer requests, yeah. but that tends to be a lot of what you get when it's just framed in this whole thing. So I know like you'll text people 
sometimes, yep. right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think I like the, um, uh, I got this at some youth camp or I don't know, something, but just the idea of like not doing the Christian, like I'll pray for you about that. Mm. I like to actually text people. I just prayed for you. Yeah. I think it feels totally different. I've had people do that for me as well. Yeah. And it just like, I'll pray for you again is just like, I mean, like peace be with you or something. Yeah. It just doesn't have a ton of meaning because yeah. you just don't know. I think letting someone know, I just got done yeah. praying that like this would go well or that your test would go well or all of those types of things that your uh, doctors as it would go well. And um, people just seem, especially in response, um, I think find it really meaningful. Totally. I, I've One thing I've done, I haven't been doing it as of late as much, but I've taken time to handwrite uh, letters to people, Yeah, um, which sounds like super old school. And I actually think that's what lends to the effectiveness of it totally. uh, for people to get a letter is like, who does that? That's sure. not a million years old. Um, the time that it takes to do that. I think anyone loves receiving anything in the mail. That's not a bill. Sure. Um, and I, obviously there's like a time sense if, if it's like pray yeah. for my surgery on Monday for them to get a card on Friday that was like, I'm praying that doesn't help. Yeah. But I think being strategic about where you place that. I totally. think another thing that is big for us is, we, we try to be very intentional about in this, in this idea of engagement. Yeah. That if we're ever in conversation with someone and there's even a hint of I'm struggling in X, yeah. we try to be very, very intentional about asking follow-up questions yeah. in that. And I think, I think that you have to have your, your like spidey senses up when you're talking to people yep. to be listening for that kind of stuff. But that is our job. Like yeah. it is our job to be engaged with issues of the soul, the whole person. Yep. And, um, you know, when someone says that they're, you know, had a hard week, I think to just go, Oh, okay. Well, good to see you. Right. Is a, is a major <laughs> fail to not sure. know like in what way or yeah. why or how. Yep. And so um, I think that that's something that I've seen, uh, especially with you, you do a really good job of. Mm. So you have to go first, mm-hmm. um, and then we have to engage on these issues. Uh, the last thing we're going to talk about uh, in this building a safe space for emotional health issues is to be intentional about using language that reinforces it. And uh, so we have, you know, we have... I care a lot about language yep. and I'm responsible for crafting the vast majority of what becomes cultural language in our church. So, you know, our mantra, no religion, just Jesus, mm-hmm. which in a lot of places would be like, oh, okay, well, what does that even, well, in Salt Lake city, that runs a pretty significant flag up your pole. Oh yeah. Um, so that phrase in our context conveys significant meaning yep. about who we are and what we believe. So we care about language like that. But the, like, the phrase, when you think about the language that you hear people use in our church, that's yeah. not just us, what is the number one phrase that you hear most often from people? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. That, that is probably... I don't think there's probably a Sunday that goes by that I don't hear someone, someone using yeah, that phrase. for sure. And that's a phrase I think I first heard from uh, the Village Church, Matt mm-hmm. Chandler's church. I think I heard him say that in a sermon or something like that, and I think that's important language there. But it's become very, very significant. It's, it's amazing. We minister to so many people that don't have a deep background in church. Yeah. And um, it's interesting how people really don't have a category for the simplicity of that phrase. Right. That it's okay to not be okay. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so we, we hear that from people over and over and over and over again. And I think that, I think the thing to be careful about is not crafting language that is not culturally true. Sure. Like, cause I've, I've not probably been in too many churches that would not say, oh yeah, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. But I've been in a lot of churches where it's not actually okay totally. to not be okay. For sure. And so I think Andy Stanley used to have this whenever he would talk about crafting uh, values mm-hmm. in your church. He used to have this phrase where he he this question that he would ask where he would say, is what's written on the wall happening down the hall? Yeah. And I think that's a really great, great question. So sure. I think you should be very careful about using a phrase like, hey, it's okay to not like, don't get up to preach this weekend and say that and then be the kind of person who doesn't do the first two things that we said. Sure. Which is like, you won't go first and you don't engage people on this stuff. Totally. And I think that, um, you know, people spend so much time, on, especially as a church planter, and you're, you've got your vision and your mission and your values and your purpose statement and all of these kinds of things. And I'm telling you, like, one, uh, sometime you need to quiz yourself to see if you can remember all those things. Yeah. Uh, but two, it's the things that are actually being communicated yeah. that uh, that are alive in your church. And so even if some of those statements or some of those thoughts are uh, kind of more pillars of things that you lean on and not things that are actually like communicated, but I think that you know we have a number of things and things that we do really pride ourselves on as a church. And I'm telling you, I think even possibly above no religion, just Jesus, even though that's what we would put on shirts or yeah. you know it's on our stage and all of that. Yeah. I think people might, if you ask them, like like what's a core tenant of our church, they yeah. might go with the it's okay to not be okay. I agree with and that. I think that um, I think to your point, it's because um, people have had the. <laughs> Oh gosh. People (laughs) have had the opportunity to see that. You know, I think of uh, one situation in particular, and this kind of uh, goes back to the going first thing, but we had one of our uh, worship leaders Mm -hmm. um, just make the decision and and make the courageous step that uh, she needed to seek uh, a month long help, kind of inpatient um, therapy. um, And uh, it was something that she came up and shared a bit about. I, I remember I I called her um, and said, hey, you can say no to this. Yeah. It's totally okay, because I, I don't know if I'd want to do it. But, um, like, you know how much we, we care about really trying to walk in the light about this, this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you would allow me, I don't need you to say anything, but would you allow me in the service tomorrow to just lead our church in praying for you before you go away to do this thing? And I remember telling her that my motive in it was twofold. One, it would be really great for the whole church to be able to pray for you. And two, this is a very significant deposit into the culture of our church. Yeah. That it, that it really is okay to be open about this stuff here. And to her credit and our benefit, she said yes. And it yeah. was super, super powerful. Yeah. And, and not only did she let us pray for her in that way, but I think the other thing that our church got to see was that as she returned from that, um, she stepped back into the role that she was, (laughs) that she was in and, and today doesn't count. If you catch it today, you don't get to put it in the The comments. Yeah. That's, that's not fair because you called it out. Yeah. Other times I feel like I've I've kept it on the down. Yeah. Before this. Just, just post the crying emoji in my comments on Instagram. That's amazing. (laughs) I like it. Um, but uh, so she came back and I remember having a conversation with her. Her very first Sunday back, we had like a churchwide lunch um, mm-hmm. 
and I was sitting down with her and I had said, I was like, Hey, I was like, so were you just not feeling up to leading this week? It was your first week back. Mm -hmm. And I think she had just come in a couple days before and she was like, Oh, I just, I guess I wasn't really sure what we were if you guys were going to let do. me, basically. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I probed into that a little bit further, and she had gone to a place uh, that um, a lot of churches know about mm-hmm. and uh, staff members go to, and uh, she had the experience that in talking to some other people in a similar even service position as mm-hmm. hers, the fact that they needed to go, they were let known that they would no longer be allowed to serve in that capacity anymore. And again, I don't know their stories or their situations or what led to all of that, but I know that it created a world for her where she wondered like, what did that mean? And like she was up leading the next week Mm -hmm. and, and felt comfortable doing that. And our church loved seeing her in that. And I just, um, I love that. Not about a dis- because it wasn't even really a decision we made. We didn't have a meeting about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do we let her up there or anything? Mm-hmm. Like it was like I couldn't understand why she wasn't up the first week, yeah. and I felt like it was well. You know, you get in late in the night before, maybe you don't want to. But yeah. um, and I think that that was something that is really important and something that our people have mentioned appreciating and yeah. knowing that like you know um, just because you need to get some things worked out, you're not broken. You're mm-hmm. not you know, something that we need to hide. Mm -hmm. But I think that it was something that we were able to walk through alongside her uh, and celebrate. Yeah. And I just, I think obviously there is, there is some unrepentant sin that disqualifies a person from serving in certain capacities for sure. I just don't, I don't think emotional health issues by and large should disqualify people from serving. Right. Or a lot of the people in the Bible would not have been able to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and I, I would just to continue to brag on her a little bit, I, I think one thing that I've really appreciated is um, I've tried to continue to coach her and lead her to just lead out of the reality of where she is. Yeah. And as a result of that, her the prayers that she's prayed and yep. the verbals that she's done, setting up songs, things like that, have been so different than what those typically sound like, which is like, you always call it like words about God, which is like a lot of worship leaders and pastors do where you're like, you're not prayer was just words about God. Yeah, You're not really saying anything. You're just saying words about God. Um, and that's your lucky true words about God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, On a good day. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think the impact that that's had, I don't know. There's just something like piercing about, the way that she has served out of that authentic place totally. that she's been in. And I think all that goes back to that being careful about the language thing. But I think what's so interesting is we weren't in a place where we were uh, just so wise beyond our years and and set it up. I really think that the reason that it's okay to not be okay became a thing was because as we've shared a little bit in the past, I mean, we planted Ridgeline when we were not okay. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I think when 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 the first people started to come into these like small group gatherings that are kind of core <laughs> who moved here and everybody was yeah. like crying and depressed. Sure, and more than just me. More than just you. Yeah. You were not the only one. It really I agree. I just really think it set a tone. I think we came in uh, so wounded. Mm-hmm. that we couldn't hide the wounds. Yeah. And I think the difference is, 
Like the reality is everyone's wounded. Yep. And in the church, especially, we just get really, really good at hiding those wounds. It's your proverbial Sunday best. Yes, yep. exactly. And ours were just so fresh and so <laughs> gaping. It's like, you know, it's it's hard to hide the fact that you just had an arm blown off. Sure, yeah. And, and you're covering it up with a band-aid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't look there. Yeah. And uh and yeah, and that I think it was a it was this sort of like happy accident on our part that I think we we can't take too much credit for other than I think some of the things we've talked about we've tried to do intentionally. Yeah. But I think what really set the initial tone, you're right. It didn't have it wasn't anything intentional. It was just the way that we were. Right. And uh yeah, do you even know what our mission statement is? We don't have a mission statement. Okay. Or a vision statement uh, or the, core values. Uh, something about the Jesus of the Bible. <laughs> I think at one point we were saying we want to help as many people oh, as possible meet and mature, meet and mature in, in the, the Jesus, Jesus of the Bible. Bible. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's mm-hmm. not bad. We just don't say it very much. No, we took it off the website a long time ago. <laughs> it's not even on the website. No, you told me to take it down. Yeah, it's because it's it was, just, on, it was like the front page. But oh, yeah. Who goes to their own website? Now it just says, come cry with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I think been it more says impactful. COVID-19. <laughs> oh, cool. Just on the homepage, yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add to this? I don't think so. I think that's good. I think that's good too. Well, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to start to talk about the importance of finding safe ways to gather, uh, which will be good. We've we've taken some initial steps in that. I know there's a lot of uncertainty and confusion and restriction in how we do that. So we'll just share a little bit about why we're doing that, how we're doing that. Hopefully that'll be healthy mm-hmm. or helpful. But um, but for the meantime, I just really want to encourage. Pastors, if you've listened to this today and you feel like, man, I, I kind of feel like my people are doing are doing great, I would just just dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Go for like, first of all, dig into your own heart. Are you doing real awesome right now? Right, because you might be a robot <laughs> if you are. Yeah. Uh, and then and then two, if that's the the message you're hearing from people, I would just find a, a loving way to try to dig a little bit more. Sure, because I I just really don't think anyone's doing great right yeah. now. Even Beth Moore tweeted the other day, no one I know is thriving personally. And if Beth Moore says it, it's almost word of God. It's true. She's like the fourth member of the Trinity, (laughs) Beth Moore. (laughs) Might have just lost some listeners. Oh, man. Anyways, thanks so much for listening to From the Field. Uh, If you want to stay up to date with us, you can find us on Instagram. It's very important that you're following me on Instagram because you've been given homework today. It's (laughs) at Ryan Hughley, H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. I want to see crying emojis in the comments on this post if you've heard Tyler cry on an episode prior to this one. And you noticed it. Not You can't go back and like find it. Yeah. I mean, who who do I think is so invested in this assignment that they're going to like discover that? <laughs> People are so bored. They're like, <laughs> oh, good. I get to go back and re-listen. Oh, gosh. Uh, Facebook page. Our is- Facebook page is the same. From the Field Podcast. Yeah. Yeah, facebook.com slash from the field podcast. Yeah, it's pretty long. Well, straightforward and easy to remember. Was, that's what it is. Yeah. That's good. Who, right. who named the podcast? I did. Well, there you go. That's my fault. All right. Thanks for listening. 